Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 588 of Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast formerly known as Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Today, we have a special episode. I actually have taken the audio out of one of the video interviews that I do on a show called The Webinar Talk Show that I co-host with Eliz Green, and I am sharing that interview here on Making Waves at Sea Level because it's a super important topic, and the guest just blew me away. She's somebody that everybody needs to know, so I wanted to share it here. Her name is Dr. Shirley Davis, and she is an expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And let's face it, in the world we're in today, this is something that every company needs to be aware of. And she goes deep into things that companies need to be thinking about around what she called the three pandemics that are currently happening. Number one was COVID. Number two was the problems that are happening in the economy that are going to be with us for a while. And number three was all the issues that have popped up around racism that, as she says in the interview, has been around in the United States for 400 years, but it's things that nobody can ignore today. This interview is super powerful. And Dr. Shirley Davis, she is amazing. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy this interview. Welcome to the Webinar Talk Show. I'm Eliz Green. And I am Tom Singer. And together, Eliz and I have created this show to bring to you really interesting topics, maybe things you're not (laughs) seeing everywhere else. And we believe that webinars, they can be better than a talking head over PowerPoint. Absolutely. And we get in this format, the opportunity to talk to really interesting people I don't think we'd get the opportunity to talk to in any other way (laughs) because, you know, if we had to travel to talk to them, if they had to travel to talk to us, it would be a much bigger investment in time. But because it's a short investment of time and no travel, we really can bring some amazing people to our audience. And And that's what we're doing today. Today's guest is going to be great. And it's an important topic. So she's another fellow member of the National Uh, Speakers Association. In fact, she's currently serving on the board of directors of the National Speakers Association. She also is someone, if if someone were to ask, I think either one of us, who do we need to talk to about diversity, inclusion? Dr. Shirley Davis would be at the top of the list. She has a wealth of experience in the field of HR, and she's been helping organizations develop high-performing and inclusive cultures. I can't wait for this conversation. Welcome to the webinar talk show, Dr. Shirley Davis. Hey. Welcome to you guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, hello, Elise. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Now, Given what's going on, I am imagining that your phone might be ringing off the hook. Is 
Is that the case? That is an understatement, but you said phone ringing off the hook, but I'm telling you emails, I've been getting inboxes from LinkedIn and all social media. I've been getting text messages at all kinds of times of the day and evening. So yes, it's a very, very busy time. What are you doing for clients right now? Because there's a lot going on in the world to manage Mm -hmm. if you're in HR, correct? Absolutely. It was a lot going on prior to March the 13th, right? When I think many of us can say that we started to experience an entirely uh, different kind of new reality. But yes, it is a lot going on. And I call this the era of disruption because Mm -hmm. we're being disrupted demographically. We're being disrupted technologically. The new generation of talent is coming in and wanting different ways of working and have different expectations of their leaders as well as now we're experiencing another disruption and an interruption to our lives and our normal, and that is these three pandemics. The one that I've been dealing with the most, and they all kind of contribute to each other, but it's been the third pandemic, which is racism, and the reactions that we've been seeing as a result of the killing of unarmed Black Americans and the visceral response that we've had from not only uh, African Americans, but around the world, my white Mm -hmm. counterparts, brown counterparts, yellow counterparts, everyone is outraged because of realizing that we still have a lot of inequities. We still need a lot of um, respect in our workplaces. We need inclusion in our workplaces. We need that sense of belonging. And we need to be treated with respect and fairness and value. That's mm-hmm. just reality. That is reality. Now, I have heard about two pandemics. What's Okay, the so the first one is COVID-19. Right. The right. pandemic has been the economic downturn and that the fact that now we've got 30 million Americans unemployed and scared about where the next paycheck is coming from. And then this third one is racism. So all of those. And then what I said was one contributed to this other one, which was the healthcare disparities that came out of the, the pandemic of, of COVID-19. It again, shine the light on the fact that we've got so many disparities and and our environment is so divided, so polarized, and yet there's still this this whole have and have not, the privileged and the underprivileged. So we've got a lot of work to do still, and I've been in this work for over 25 years in human resources and, and fighting, you know, this need for greater equity and inclusion, and we still have work to do. So having done this work for, for 25 years, yeah. suddenly these three pandemics, it's, it's like a perfect storm. How are these things, how are they impacting companies and other organizations? Severely, very severely. I have, um, like I said, my phone has been ringing off the hook. So the first thing we did was help a lot of the CEOs and presidents message. So we got a lot of calls from our old clients as well as new clients, all of those who said, well, we're going to be able, you know, we're going to be canceling and we're going to be rescheduling. Well, somehow they all found the time and the money to say, hey, no, we need to message out and send out position statements. And then the other thing that we've been doing right after that is listening sessions, because when you have something that happens, like with the killing of a George Floyd, the way that his life was taken, it is a stain on humanity, not just on America. And everyone felt that who had a sense of decency and who had a real respect for life and for humanity. 
And so we've gotten a number of calls. I, I was mentioning to you guys earlier, I'm on like number 36 of listening sessions and we've got mm. plenty, plenty more to do. And we're doing them for companies all over the country and just allowing employees and workers to talk about the pain, the trauma, the impact that it's having, because guess what's happening? They're taking this to work, right? This mm. is about psychological safety. This is about productivity. It's about my ability to fully concentrate, to be fully invested, to think creatively. And I can't do all of that when I'm in pain and I'm hurting and my company is not showing care and feeding and showing empathy that's needed in this time. So Shirley, I love these listening sessions that you do. And, and we had talked mm-hmm. to you a few weeks ago and, and, and you had mentioned that. Could you go a little deeper about what's involved with a listening session for a company and, and why would a company hire you to do these? Because I think it's amazing. Yeah. Ask the 22 other companies who have hired us to do these, which has been wonderful. But the way we do the listening sessions, and I have a team of 12 of us, and out of the 12, we are scattered all over doing different things, but there's a group of us doing just the listening sessions. Kelly uh, Charles Collins is one, and she's on my team. She's also an NSA member as well. Just phenomenal talent that we have on our team, but we have been spending an hour and a half with each of the clients with no more than 30 people in each session, making it an intimate opportunity for people to share how they're feeling, what they need, um, how they're healing, how they're processing this, and even talking a bit about some of their early experiences of knowing when color made a difference and experiences of oppression and marginalization and microaggressions. And then talking about how that informed the way they saw the world, the way that they experienced the world today. And yet talking now about current, not just 20, 30 years ago, current experiences with racism in the workplace, systemic and structural racism. And it's an opportunity for them to be able to share with their white colleagues and counterparts what their experiences are. But it's been great hearing even from our white counterparts who've been sharing in these listening sessions to say, I've seen it. And I, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I haven't always spoke up. And I'm observing now in a way that I've never before. I didn't know that it was this bad. And and now I'm woke, right? And what can I do to help support? And I want to be a part of the change. So it's a phenomenal time in our country to be leaning into these conversations that we have not always been comfortable having. And so those sessions allow them to talk but also I move them to uh, a place of action. What next? What are the next steps? And so it's been very helpful. We brief the client. We do an analysis and a synthesis of all of the listening sessions. Like one company, we did 18 of them uh, just for that company. We just synthesize all that information and put it together in a report and we brief them on what were the outcomes, the responses, the commonalities, the gaps, and what are the opportunities this helps provide a baseline for them on how do they build out a long-term DEI strategy. Well, and for those of us who maybe don't live in the world of HR, mm-hmm. tell us what DNI really means. Mm-hmm. But I also imagine that diversity and inclusion, like in some companies has been a, oh, we did a session, check the box, now now we can move on sort of thing. And a, a sort of, we know we need it, but it's over here, it's a nice to have. Have you seen that it's moving towards the need to have? Um, I have been very pleasantly pleased to see a real shift from, can you come in and do some training for us? Or mm-hmm. can you help us to recruit more people of color 
to now saying we need to change our policies. We need to have you do a DEI audit. We want to do a cultural assessment on our leaders and see what their competency is around working across differences. We need to have an inclusion and engagement survey. So yes, now they're looking at it in a more broader strategic way. And that's where I've been wanting them to get to is look at this as a business strategy, as an organizational strategy. This needs to be a part of everything you do and it needs to be woven into processes, policies, procedures, and practices, right? So now they're seeing that DE&I, it shouldn't be over here. It shouldn't be just a uh, siloed and uh, flavor of the month program, but it, it should be seen as a way that we become a great place to work, an employer of choice. It should be seen as a way that we build a culture that will build a, a place for people to come and work and do business with us for years to come. One of our recent guests, Mike Cinelli from NASA, was talking about the diversity of ideas. Yeah. That if you have a culture that is equitable and inclusive, you get different things yeah. from your people. What are you seeing when you work with a company and you get them to have this long-term strategy? What do you see the benefits of that be? Oh, gosh, there are some huge benefits because one of the things that I do, and you talked about what is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity yes. just is. All of us are diverse. Tom, you're diverse too. White guys are diverse as well, right? <laughs> because it's about our preferences, our backgrounds, our experiences, our values, our beliefs, and yes, our physical attributes and the things that we don't even have control over, right? Like our mm -hmm. race and our gender and our age, those kinds of things. Equity is the fact that you want to make sure that people have access and fairness and pay and promotions mm -hmm. and the way that they're able to get opportunities and that kind of thing and access to services. And then inclusion is about the culture, the workplace, the environment. So you can have diversity and not have inclusion because mm -hmm. diversity is the talent. Inclusion is the culture. And that's where many companies fail is that they work on trying to get more of them and they don't work on the culture and the environment that they got to come work in and people don't feel valued, respected. They don't feel leveraged. They don't feel like their voice is heard. They don't feel like they matter. Mm -hmm. So when you talk again about how then do we ensure that, you know, all of this then adds up to outcomes is I help them understand that the world is changing. The demographics look different. I talk about workforce 2030 and what it's going to look like five to 10 years from now. And the fact that we don't have the cultures or the leadership competence to be able to attract top talent that's gonna look more like me mm -hmm. and more like you, Elise, right? And so we have to help organizations understand that if you're not getting top talent, you're getting what's left over by the companies who really took this very seriously and proactively. And then if you don't get top, top talent that's coming in, you tend to then get people who are just like, okay, well, I'll take this job, right? But I may not mm -hmm. be fully invested. I may not be fully included and I may not stay. That becomes a huge churn for organizations. And it's a business strategy, bottom line. If they're not doing their best work and all you're getting out of them is 20 to 30% productivity because they're so disengaged, because your culture is so toxic and your leaders are terrible, it's a business case. So that's why it's important. Those are the measures that we use is how are they able to service your more diverse customers and clients and your diverse communities in which you live and do business in and who you serve. That's where it's a strong business case and it's clear and it's right. 
So there's, there's a lot of studies out there that show just what you're saying, that when you yeah. have diversity at all levels of your company, certainly senior management all the way down, the company actually performs better, is more profitable, has more innovation. How do you get that message across? Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the corporate world hasn't heard that. Well, that is certainly one of my messages when I talk about the, the business case for this and the bottom line impacts mm-hmm. is that those studies are out there. McKinsey has done the study. They did it in 2015 and they rolled it out again in the last couple of years. And they have shown that when you have more women at the top of your organizations, they outperform your competition, your competitors, mm-hmm. you know, by 20, 25 percent. And when you have more people of color, more minorities represented at the top where those decisions are made, where policies are shaped, that you also see about a 35% increase and it impacts your return on sales, your return on equity, as well as your return on uh, your investment. So it is really a clear and compelling business case because when I think differently, I have a different perspective, have access to a different market you may not. So you help me as a a person that you bring in all this diversity of thought as a person with a different background that someone looks like me, I wanna help you you tap into markets, help you serve Mm -hmm. customers, help you better understand their needs than if you had a very homogeneous group. Well, and we've seen that in marketing and advertisement too, where things come to, you know, they're on television and nobody's noticed that, oh, wow, no, somebody should have looked at this before it aired. That's what happened. (laughs) And too many times, at least, it's too late. They've done it, and and they have a very homogeneous marketing team or branding team, and they just thought it was the right thing. It was a wonderful idea, but when everybody in the room looks alike and thinks alike, it's a great idea, right? Because my idea is wonderful. But what you're missing is you're not targeting this, what we call multicultural markets, right? So you're not speaking to African-Americans. You're not speaking to women. You're not speaking to Hispanic and Latinas. You're not speaking to the LGBTQ community. And so you need to have that level of diversity of people who can say, that's whack. That's not going to work. That's going to (laughs) fall flat on its face. And it's going to cost you a lot of reputational damage by not doing it this way. So Shirley, earlier you made reference to the fact that e- even I represent diversity, right? So I'm, mm-hmm. I am, if you take a look at me, I am a middle-aged white guy. You may or may not have noticed that. You're a protected <laughs> class though, do you know that? I, you're protected I because I'm assuming you're over 40, so you're protected under age discrimination. I didn't. Hmm. I didn't even think about that at fifty-four. That I was in a protected class. It, it didn't. You are. Didn't cross you're protected my mind. by your religion. You're protected if you have a disability. You're protected if you are a veteran or served in the armed forces. So you're a protected class. So, so my question is: There's a lot of people out there who want to make a difference. They they agree with what you say, but maybe they're afraid they can't bring their voice to the table because maybe they are a middle-aged white guy. How how do you get people who want to help who you know, are from maybe a protected class, but don't even know it. How do you get them as part of the dialogue? And we have been. Many of our listening sessions have had sprinkles of people of color, but most of the organizations mm-hmm. look a lot like you, Tom, and look a lot like you, Elise. They don't look like me. And so that's a great opportunity for them to hear and listen to the few who are sharing. Mm-hmm. But I'm encouraging them to lean into the conversations and be willing to educate themselves. I'm giving them resources on how they can continue to educate themselves on racism and how it affects them. But here's the thing. You are in a very protected, privileged power class. 
And that mm-hmm. gives you an opportunity to truly effectuate change. And that means being bold and courageous about saying like what some of my CEOs have said, I've got a couple of them that are very forward thinking. And they've said, look, we have a problem. And we've looked at our demographics over the last five to seven years, and we keep bringing in the same people. And I know there's a lot of great talent out there like Dr. Davis. And so what we're gonna right. do over the next two years, by 2023 or 2024, we are going to be intentional So you got to put the stake in the ground, be courageous and bold, make bold moves and say, we are going to make 50% of all of our new hires will have to have at least had a diverse slate of candidates. We're going to broaden our net to Mm -hmm. where we recruit. And Tom, you're going to be now in this executive search area. It's going to be very critical for you to know how to broaden the net in such a way that you don't just keep bringing in the same people who look alike, but that there's talent that comes from all backgrounds and stuff. So that for me is where I tell them, you've got to be courageous, check your numbers, check your data. It doesn't lie. Look at the top of your organization, look at your annual report, review your website. When I go to your board of directors and your executive team, do I keep seeing people who look like you or do I see Mm. people who look like the future and the current? And, and you are right in the executive search world. This is a very important piece of it is you want to make sure that it's not just a single person of color in the slate, but you want to make sure that it is a diverse offerings of of people across the board. Yes, absolutely. So that's how they can help. Yes. And continue to um, lean into the conversations and learn and be willing to open. And you know what? Be willing to also make mistakes because you will. I still make mistakes. Y'all saw my my keynote, I mean, excuse me, my breakout session at at, uh, Influence. Yeah, I told a couple of my own stories and I'm an HR veteran and a DEI officer, yes, and I still make mistakes too. Well, and I think that was something, one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on this show is that was a very personally impactful session for me. And just both in the giving examples of some of the things that are blind spots that I, I just didn't see them because that's not my experience. Mm-hmm. But then stepping back and saying, okay, I actually need to check myself before I tell a story and call Dr. Shirley and say, you know, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned like, uh-huh. how is this going to play? Is this a reasonable example to use? Is this going to be offensive? Or is it going to come off as not including all of my audience? Yeah. I, I think that advice was really, really helpful um, to me personally. Yeah. Can you give us just a little bit for those who didn't have the benefit of seeing that wonderful thing that we did for the National Speakers Association? A little bit, we talked about blind spots that can cost you business as a speaker. Mm -hmm. And as we're putting together our presentations, we have to recognize that the audiences are much more diverse. And I shared that 51% right now of the global workforce is made up of women. And in the next 10 years, 54% of the US workforce will be minorities, people of color. And that there's five generations right now in the workforce, but the two largest is the baby boomers, those that are over 55. And then there are the millennials, those are between 24 and 39, but the millennials now make up 50% of the workforce. And in 2025, Mm -hmm. that number jumps to 75%. Mm -hmm. There is one in seven people has a disability. And then you Mm -hmm. look at religious beliefs and all of the things that people want to bring 
to the, you know, we say bring your full selves to the workplace and your audiences are going to be those people that you're talking to. So you've got to be very sensitive. One of my examples that I gave too was I was having an audience stand up and engage and do mm -hmm. an icebreaker and there's someone in the audience who was in a wheelchair. So how can I say stand up, right? And I have to be sensitive to that. Or if I'm talking to a thousand doctors, which I was, and most of them were all white, but the one black guy that was in the audience was 6'5". They're radiologists and oncologists and all these other ologists, right? And I talked to him at the end of the session, thank him for coming. And then I did the, the you know, the biggest sin of, what college did you play basketball at? <laughs> Just because he was a tall black guy, right? And he said, I didn't play basketball. I'm a radiologist. And I immediately, so I stuck my foot in my mouth, Tom. So do you think that potentially I could have lost that customer or lost someone who says she's insensitive or just turned them off and not get a referral? But I said to him, oh my gosh, I just did exactly what I just finished talking about. And this is what I meant in the fact that we all make mistakes and we all have our biases and yet they aren't malicious at all. So when well, people tell me, oh, Dr. Davis, you're so articulate. I use it now as a teachable moment, even though I know they meant well, it's that right there. The filter of that has a negative connotation and that you didn't expect mm -hmm. me as a black woman to be articulate and to speak so well. What I took away from that when I heard you tell that story before about the, the tall gentleman and asking him if he played basketball was if you can make that mistake. Yeah, I can make that mistake. And, and, and it's OK to be able to step back. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, that you said, and I'm paraphrasing was, if you make a mistake, oh. own it and apologize and move on. I did, I did. And that did not hurt our relationship at all. I said, you know what? I talk about this stuff all the time and I'm still learning about my own mm -hmm. blind spots. Please forgive me for that. And he totally was okay with it and we went off and had lunch. So it was good. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, and I think, one of the other things that I took away from both our conversation today and the conversation we had before is that it's not doing it perfectly. Right. That and it's not perfect. It's intentions imperfect. matter. It does. And, and uh, intentions matter. And in the world of HR, impact matters more. So mm. we oftentimes have a lot of people who will say insensitive things, make insensitive jokes or, you know, do, do insensitive acts inside the workplace. They'll normally say, I didn't mean any harm by it. It wasn't my intention. And what mm -hmm. we have to say is, but when you touch that person on her butt, it wasn't, you know, I was just being complimentary, right? I was, you know, and when you keep complimenting this person, you're doing it out of a place of, you know, it might be not intentionally malicious. I like her. She's cute. But for her, it was seen as insensitive and it was seen as sexual. So it's about the impact. And right. it, remember, it has to come from the place of the recipient, not necessarily the place of the person who did it. So That's as we... Yeah, very good lesson. As we move forward through, you know, these, these three pandemics that, that we talked about, they're not going away anytime soon. Uh, the, the coronavirus is here to stay. The economy is going to be impacted for probably a long time. Yep. And sadly, racism will not evaporate by Christmas. Nope, it's 400 years old. Right. So what can we do as a company moving forward or as individuals moving forward? What can we do? So... As I said, you're right. Racism has been around for a long time. In America, it's been around for 400 years, but it's been around since the days of Jesus. So 
when we think about the next steps, what we can do now in this current environment, there's a couple of things. I am part of an organization, a bunch of them, but one in particular, we just came together and it's called ideacoalition.com. And IDEA, which is I-D-E-A, stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Accessibility. So it's for people with disabilities as well. And we came together, it is a conglomerate of a bunch of us that are chief diversity officers, practitioners, and pioneers and consultants. And we put together a, a list of what we call best practices or what we call them as um, next step actions. And those Ooh. things include, for example, you gotta recommit to updating and to building your global strategy around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And make sure it's aligned with your organization's operating plan. It shouldn't be a, off, the, off to the side but integrated into everything. Because I don't think what leaders know is that diversity, equity, and inclusion should be in your marketing, your branding, your communications, mm -hmm. your customer service strategy. It should be in your recruitment, your performance management, everything. So it should be integrated in. The other thing is commit to continuing education and learning. People are interested in talking about this. So we want them to continue the conversations, but take it beyond a listening session and now start to give them skills and help them to apply it in their daily lives and in their workplaces every day. So training on unconscious bias, and I do from unconscious bias to intentional inclusion. And then I do tips for tackling taboo topics. And I'm talking about how to build world-class winning workplaces, right? So those are the kinds of things you wanna to continue to train on. And then ultimately scrutinize your policies scrutinize mm. your practices, update them, refresh them, and ensure that you are not having uh, exclusion and favoritism and preferential treatment and that there isn't racism built into it. So we're doing these audits and it has to be around who do you keep hiring? Who do you keep promoting? Who's getting paid inequitably doing the same exact work, but just because mm. they're different races or ethnicities or ages. So all of those things, and, and it's a long list, but those are the top four things I would say that you got to do. And your culture is key. I don't care how great your strategies are. If you've got a toxic culture, a culture where people don't trust each other, a culture that's not a safe to speak culture, your strategy is going to be eaten for lunch by your culture. It, that is an absolutely true. Can you give us that resource again, the idea resource? Yes, it's called ideacoalition.org. You'll see yours truly on there. I've signed on with all of my, these are seriously global. I mean, these are big heavy hitters in DEI. And IDA, IDEA stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Accessibility. We've all signed on to the letters, and it's an open letter to CEOs and to corporate America saying, you want to keep it going? Don't just have a listening session. Don't just put out the position statement. Make this a long-term sustainable movement, not just a moment. Amen. Indeed. <laughs> not just a moment. I love that. Yes. The moment has got to be a movement. All right. So there's definitely somebody listening who's thinking, oh, we need Dr. Shirley to come to our organization. How would they find you? And, uh, and that is easy. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Snapchat. So all of those ways you can find me. But go to my website. And a lot of what we were talking about today, particularly for this moment, on my website at the very top, you will see an open letter we put out on how we are servicing mm -hmm. our clients to help them respond to these current times and to this current moment. 
Well, Dr. Shirley Davis, thank you so much for, for coming and having this really important conversation mm. here on the webinar talk show. Yes, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks again for having me, and let's do it again. Part two, part three. <laughs> yes, I, I, I see a reoccurring series. <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, what, we'll definitely have you back for sure. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. This is a perfect example of why an in-depth interview is so much more engaging and more fruitful than a talking head over PowerPoint, which isn't to say Dr. Shirley isn't amazing giving a virtual presentation. <laughs> she is. She's good. But, but if you like this sort of uh, format and are interested in maybe using it for your event, either Tom or I or both of us would love to have a half hour conversation just sharing what we've learned doing mm -hmm more of these than we can count anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think since March, between webinars and conferences, we've done nearly 50 online events. So we've seen some yeah. things and we know what works and what doesn't and we're happy to share. Awesome. We, we tell them our past 50. <laughs> we're getting closer to 60 by this point, <laughs> uh, just in three, three or four months, which is a lot. You can find us at webinartalkshow.com. We'd love it if you liked us on Facebook at Webinar Talk Show. We'll be back next week with more wonderful guests. Monday, we're having Jeannie Robertson. Don't want to miss that. I know. Dr. Shirley, again, thank you for joining us. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.